Hello, and thank you once again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room. I'm your host, as always, John F. Taylor. And in today's episode, we are given a kind of a special treat because we're talking with uh, Chris Law of Crocodopolis.net about uh, crocodilians and how he got into the industry, uh, what made him start working with crocodiles, and uh, some ownership responsibility uh, requirements for owning crocodiles and the like. So without further ado, here is Chris Law from Crocodopolis.net. Today, uh, today we're on the phone with uh, Chris Law. Uh, he is the manager of zoological operations at uh, Crocodopolis. And uh, Chris, I guess one of the biggest questions that uh, everybody's been asking around is, you know, how did you come into crocodiles? I mean, <laughs> how did you? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, snakes it, is one thing, but you know, crocodiles is, <laughs> you know, that's a whole other realm. Right, and uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, it, it, the way that I came into um, to, to wanting to work with crocodilians is actually uh, quite different from what, if I was to look back at my life now, the way I'd prefer <laughs> to have been introduced to them. Uh-oh. Um, I, I started with other people, you know, like a lot of other people, you know, as I was a kid, you know, I was outside catching snakes and turtles and all kinds of good stuff, and, right. you know, I, I, I'm a typical herper, as of, you know, in that regard, uh-huh. um, but then when I was 16, I, um, I went into a, a, a pawn store, and I walked in, and I was just looking for some radio equipment, and about a minute later, a guy walks in the store, and he has two alligators approximately 22 inches uh, on leashes under his arm. Wow. And, yeah, and that's what I thought. I sit there and look, and I'm, this, at first I was, like, in disbelief of what I'm seeing, and the type of leashes he had them on are the little iguana leashes that you can buy at, like, Petland or Petfart or something. Wow. And he had these under his arm. <laughs> He's just coming in doing casual business just like any other cut. You know, don't worry, he wasn't trying to palm the alligators off. Um, but he just had them out like he was, you know, doing socializing with, you know, with an alligator like you would your dog or something. Wow. And this was my, this was a big shock to me, uh, just sitting and looking at these animals and, and wondering, number one, why, why are they in here? Number two, how did he acquire them? You know, I have never heard of anybody keeping an alligator up to that point. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I know that you know through history, you know they used to be sold for very very cheaply as commodity items and things in Florida. Basically, it's almost a souvenir pest, kind of like you do goldfish at the, your carnivals and festivals now, when you drop a ping pong ball into the uh, into the goldfish bowl. Right. right. Um, but up until that point, I had never really noticed you know alligators being pets. Mm-hmm. So now, as I as I look back at it. I wouldn't necessarily want it to be introduced that way. I'm, I'm glad I did. It definitely opened my eyes, and it, it, it found, as you know, that's when I realized that it's kind of like that feeling of coming home, you know. You just you realize that's my calling. These animals are what mesmerizes me. I was truly captivated. Uh, yeah. I sat there, and I, I asked them a lot of questions. Of course, this is your, co- your, your common pet owner here that is answering the questions, and some of those an- answers were rather sketchy. <laughs> um, right. So, of course, I decided to go home and research and research and research. And then at that point, I decided I wanted to try to get my own. And and I did, and I'm, I, I was absolutely shocked. Um, what was actually rather sad is that I had three pet stores within a 15-mile radius where I could have went and bought them at. Really? I, yeah. Uh, and this was in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was in total shock. I was expecting that I was going to have to, you know, 
couldn't get special licensing or anything like that. And they're like, oh, no, no, come on in, $75. And <laughs> okay. And what type, um, of, what type of crocodiles are these that we're talking or alligators that we're talking These about? are just American alligators. They're okay. common American alligator. There's only two species of alligator. There's the Chinese alligator, which is critically endangered. There's less than 200 specimens in the wild right now. Um, there's approximately 10,000 or a little more than that in captivity. Uh, the American alligator, on the other hand, at one point it was um, getting close to that point. It was on the endangered species list, but mm -hmm. now uh, it's only considered, uh, it, it's protected mainly because of its close relation with the American crocodile, which is a species of concern. Okay. Uh, it is vulnerable at this point. Uh, especially here in the United States, we don't really have a great number of them, and they're very limited to the extreme southern end of South Florida. Um, really? the, yes. Um, they, they occur also in Costa Rica, uh, South America predominantly. Um, you know, those are also beautiful, beautiful animals. But American alligators, they inhabit the, the extreme southeast portion of the United States. Uh, you'll find them as north of, as Virginia, uh, working your, all, your way all the way down uh, south of Florida, and as far over west as Texas. Huh. Now, just out of curiosity, because I, I don't never actually watched the show myself, but I've you know seen the previews and what have you. The way that the alligators are are presented on most of the shows that you see on Animal Planet or what have you, it's like you know they're just everywhere. Is that accurate or? Because, I mean, they, they you actually know, have a whole um, show on people going out and hunting these things for a living. And it's yeah, like, that's swamp people, thing. and absolutely, that show makes me absolutely sick. Um, and it's not to say that I'm opposed to hunting of, the, of alligators. I'm not opposed to it. Their, their, their population actually is considered uh, around a million, uh, um, around a million plus. Okay. So, you know, they have a hefty population. They're not really going anywhere. It's a shame that uh, the, the true the true giants of the alligator realm um, are coming fewer and fewer and far between, and it's mainly because you know of hunting. You know, you get a lot of guys out there with hunter license, and, and that's a trophy to them, despite the fact that so much of it's going to go to waste. Um, yeah. You know, this animal is a is a trophy to them, as opposed to you know to us. It's just—it's a magnificent animal, and one that you know we just can't believe that we're laying. But you know, it's sitting right there before us, and you know, in our in our view, we're excited as hell to see this animal. But yet, you know, these guys, as far as they're concerned, they're just going to put a bullet in its head. Yeah, and that's, so, that's the same thing uh, with me and rattlesnakes. You know, as I hear about these rattlesnake roundups, and it just turns my stomach. So I can imagine what it's like to you. You know, for you hearing about the you know swamp people, like you said, absolutely, and it's the same way with me. You know, I feel the same way about the rattlesnake roundups, and you know, and, and just pretty much any type of uh, event of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, I'm not necessarily opposed to hunting. You know, I, I understand that uh, some animals do have to be kept in check, as bad as that is to say. Yeah. Um, and they're they're not threatened. They're not going to going to go anywhere. But at the same time, uh, my biggest uh, problem with the show, such as uh, Swamp People, is it's the way, it's the demeanor that they have when they're going out and they're hunting these animals. Um, they're, they're for the sensationalism aspect of the show, right. they practically torture the animals first. Ugh. And it's to make it look like, like it's a big traumatic event. You know, this alligator is so strong, it's, it's tugging and they have to fight with it before they shoot. The reality is that that's not typically the way it goes. Wow. So, you know, I do know some other alligator hunters, and most of them, you know, they, you know, granted some of these are, you know, just your, uh, your 
have a backwater hilljack that just don't really right. <laughs> care too much for any other living creature other than a human being, and even that's kind of pushing it. Right. But, right. Um, you, know, they, you know, when it comes to alligators, some of these people, you know, alligators hunt, uh, alligator hunters are, you know, are very ethical in, in their methods. Um, they mm. do want a quick and clean kill. And that is the way it should be. Uh, I grew up in a family of hunters, so you know, it's, and I used to hunt myself as a kid. Uh, that was one of my outdoor activities. I don't really care too much for it anymore. I just I feel I have other things that I can do to enjoy the outdoors, but I I prefer much more than taking a life out of it. Um, right. But that doesn't mean that I feel that you know anybody else should have to stop hunting or anything of that nature. Right, right. Now, so talk to me about um, you know. So now we we caught up to you having these, you know, you've got your first alligators. Now, <laughs> this is amazing to me because I can, you know, I picture this as you're living in a house and, you know, and I know it's incorrect what I'm about to say, but I'm just saying, you know, because I hear, like most of the public does, all the horror stories of, oh yeah, this guy kept this alligator in a kiddie pool in his basement, you know, and then, <laughs> and then died and somebody found the alligator and, it, you know, tried to eat ten people and, you know, all this other right. hoopla. How is it possible that a private person can keep an alligator? I mean, that just amazes me because, to me, I've always, you know, of course, I've seen the crocodile hunter and, you know, all this other stuff, and these are just enormous, you know, creatures that, you know, have no qualms about taking an arm or leg off, you know, so uh, talk well, to us a little bit about, reality you know, is behavior. The alligators. Yeah. When it comes to alligators, <laughs> that's not really so much the case. Um... You know, they're actually pretty docile. Really? Uh, they okay. don't really want anything to do with you. Uh, alligators uh, typically want, you know, want little to do with you as possible. In fact, if, you know, they, you encounter them in the wild, they tend to go in the opposite direction. Well, uh, okay. They don't want anything to do with you, no matter how large they are. Uh, they, the only, there's very rare circumstances that would get an alligator to attack you in the wild. Okay. Uh, it's a female defending her nest. Uh, they, those things would... Uh, attack a battleship if it meant defending your nest. Right. Um, or if it's a, it could be a male that's defending his territory during breeding season. Oh, wow, okay. At that, at that point, they can get rather nasty. They could defend. Now, there is one other circumstance, and this is where uh, an animal has been associated um, with humans as a food source. Uh, this is what, one of the reasons why it is illegal practically in any state where alligators are native to feed wild alligators. Um, if by feeding them, this actually gets them thinking that they can approach human beings for food. And one day a child or something could be near the lake and you know, this alligator could be approaching them for food. The child doesn't have anything to offer it, so the way they look at it, the child will do. Um, oh, wow. you know, so it's illegal to feed alligators out in the wild and for very good reason. Uh, these, these animals are highly intelligent in, in comparison to other reptiles. Uh, they can learn different behaviors. Uh, you can train them much like you can a dog or a cat. Uh, you can practically get them to dance to rap music if you've got enough food and enough patience. They're, they're quite intelligent. They learn their names. You can get them to perform some behaviors. You can call them out of the pool and have them lay down and wait while you work with another animal. You can call them out of the pool and just have them go off to a corner and wait while you, you know, perform maintenance on an enclosure. Um, you can do a lot of different things with alligators and, and other crocodiles. Uh, they've even taken some of uh, the most aggressive species. And the, the Cuban crocodile is, is one of the, uh, the examples that we use. That is hands down the most aggressive species of crocodilian on the planet. 
Okay. And they've even managed to curb its temperament with a little bit of conditioning, working with it, giving it some giving it some food, and they will sit and behave. Really? It, absolutely. Phenomenal. This, this is something that a lot of people don't realize about these animals, and it's one of the well, things I've that has maintained my fascination with them. Yeah, I've always heard that they're intelligent, but I, you know, and that was just from you know the mother protecting its nest, maternal instinct, you know, males guarding territory, but you know, man, I didn't know that they were, you know, like, like you said, you can train them like a cat and dog. Now it makes me, you know, rethink every episode of the, of you know, everything I've ever seen on crocodiles about these guys, you know, working with crocodiles, and I'm like, huh. Now I wonder if those were all trained and they were just making a big deal out of it, and the crocodile or alligators just like, dude, are you done yet? Please, really. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not necessarily always that intense. I mean, you know, they're not, you're not going to expect them to go rolling over and doing all kinds of, you know, fantastic you right, know, tricks right. or anything. But, you know, being able to understand that, you know, the human that, that's before them is, is a handler, is not a threat to them, but, you know, they can work with them, they'll get food, and, you know, they'll be rewarded for doing something good. You know, these are very, these are things that they understand. You know, these aren't things that other animals necessarily always understand. You know, our snakes and other lizards, you yeah. know, they do care less, you know, just, just be this and shut up and leave us alone. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to alligators, they are willing to interact with human beings, and you just have to be careful in how you do it. The problem is, is that a lot of people take this idea and they, they, they run with it. They try to run entirely too far. Mm -hmm. uh, pet keepers have an idea that because that, you know, of, of this very factor that it causes these animals are not necessarily quite as aggressive as uh, some other crocodilian species, you know, saltwater crocodiles, Nile crocodiles, Cuban crocodiles, and others, mm -hmm. that they're going to turn it in from an alligator into a dog. Uh, you know, they, uh, they have a tendency, uh, some of the most sickening uh, care sheets I've ever seen was, you know, I, I've seen the advocacy of feeding goldfish to alligators, which anybody who is, is familiar with their husbandry knows it's a big no-no. Oh, wow. um, okay. the, the biggest problem with goldfish is that they carry an enzyme called thiaminase. It destroys thiamine uh, right. inside your exactly uh, And that can cause them a lot of problems. And I've seen uh, you know, a lot of circumstances where a lot of people are feeding them goldfish and hot dogs and, and marshmallows and all kinds of weird crap. That's not going to have any significant nutritional value for these animals at all. Wow. It stunts their growth, it causes them skin problems, it causes them teeth problems, uh, their jaws typically deform. Um, you know, these animals have evolved over the course of 200 million years eating a variety of different foods, all of which I can assure you did not consist of goldfish, hot dogs, and marshmallows. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's, it's one of the biggest pet peeves that I have, and, and again, I'm not necessarily opposed to the private possession of an alligator or other species of crocodilian, but I do feel that if we're going to offer these animals for sale, we need to make sure that people that they are going into the hands of people who really are truly interested in keeping this animal, have done their research, and are going to do as best as they can by this animal as possible, and not just wing it and you know go in a twenty-gallon tank and call it a day and never right. think twice about it. Yeah. Now, speaking of which. Um if I wanted to buy, you know, your typical American alligator, I, I don't ever want to, but uh, theoretically, so I buy this animal. Now, how big is this thing going to actually get? Because the one on your uh, Facebook page, I don't know if that's a crocodile or an alligator. I can never tell them apart. That's an alligator. That thing, um, 
He's about 12 and a half foot long. Uh, that's a male. Uh, typically, you're going to be balancing between ma- uh, female size and male size. Females average around seven to nine foot. Males nine and over. Um, and the tip, about as big as you're going to find nowadays. And this is a, an old, old alligator. Uh, it's going to be about 14 foot. And those are very, very few and far between. Uh, the largest alligator ever uh, caught. Of course, it was killed, and this was back in the 1960s. It was uh, 19 foot two inches. So you can see how, you know, over the course of, of a few decades, how you know those sizes have dwindled down. So it's unlikely we will ever, ever see another animal of that size ever again. And it's, it's rather sad and unfortunate. But right now, the records hold with the, the saltwater crocodile being the largest living land reptile. And how big, um, or how long does it take the alligators to get that large? Well, uh, the first uh, four to five years is, your, is their most rapid growth rate. Uh, they, you know, as a hatchling, they grow about a foot a year, provided that they're getting proper care. Uh, you can stunt their growth by reducing their food intake or not feeding them appropriately um, or um, keeping them in too small of enclosures with, you know, very little inter- interaction opportunities for exercise, etc. This is not recommended, and a lot of pet stores actually advocate that type of behavior in order to keep the, the size of the alligator manageable. And I'm vehemently uh, opposed to that type of practice. If you're going to keep an animal such as this, uh, such as an American alligator, you need to allow it to be all that it can be, and you need to try to adapt to its needs and not force it to adapt to yours. Right. And this is a common practice that I just uh, I find absolutely loathsome. Um, but after it reaches about five foot, five and a half, its growth rate slows pretty drastically. It's going to, you know, decrease down to about six inches a year. Um, and then typically after it gets about eight, nine years old, then, you know, it, it starts getting about six, seven foot. And it, it takes, uh, you know, 10, 12, 14 years before you're just going to have a significant size that, um, you know, needs to be down south in an outdoor enclosure where, you know, that's the only thing it has. If you're living up north, you're going to have to have a barn or something of that that's insulated and heated, you know, and, and pr- appropriate size for the animal. Um, and a lot of people just are not going to be willing to put forth that kind of money into the proper care of that type of animal. How long do they live, typically? Uh, crocodilians can live quite a while. Uh, your average is going to be about 40 to 50 years. Uh, older, uh, there's been some recorded that have been nearly 80. So not only are they, you know, not necessarily giants, but they're pretty large animals, but they're probably going to outlive their owners anyway. Absolutely. So it's a very important thing that you have to keep in mind. I mean, it, it's it, these things are going to be the family heirloom, most right. likely. Right, right. Uh, so you, you have to keep in mind that, you know, this animal is going to most likely outlive you. It's most likely, most likely first going to outlive your ability to probably care for it. That's what you're going to run into first. Okay. Uh, unless you live down right. south in a southern uh, uh, place where it's, you, know, you have moderately warm temperatures and you can have an outdoor enclosure year-round for the animal, you're most likely never going to be able to properly provide for this animal um, as it's going to need it. Right. And this is uh, one of the biggest complications with selling alligators up north is you have people in like one-bedroom apartments and things just keeping alligators, and they don't oh. think twice about it. And this is a big problem. I've had to go through and remove a lot of alligators from apartments. Um, you know, I've had to catch them out of ponds where they, they grow, outgrow their owner's ability to care for it. 
the zoos won't take them. The zoos cannot, you know, just take everybody's unwanted pets. Right. They don't have the space, and there's too much risk of disease transmission. So, right. you know, they, they have to be very particular. Just they have this wild imagination that the zoo could just take it, you know, they, and what's further, <laughs> what's even sadder is that because they have an alligator, they have something really rare. They have something special, and the zoo would just absolutely die to have it. it it's, uh, and it's far from the truth. So, right. you know, that's one of the things that I focus on is trying to help educate people as to the complications of keeping these animals and why it is that um, it's best to leave these at the zoo, leave them out in the wild, and otherwise enjoy them from afar, don't attempt to keep them. Right. Unless you are truly dedicated, really have the financial backing, have done a lot of research, and are really getting you're ready to uh, involve yourself in something potentially dangerous, because these animals most certainly are, and I've seen even three-foot alligators that have inflicted some serious injuries on their on their owners before. Yeah, I can imagine how, you know, and I'm just thinking about, you know, a nine-foot, you know, croc, or, you know, like you said, even a three-foot. I don't... I mean, I've handled venomous snakes before, but I, I don't think you could pay me to, uh, you know, get, you know, quote unquote, get in the ring with the with the live alligator. That just, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe a baby, a hatchling, maybe. But yeah, anything bigger than me, that yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'll, watch, I'll watch the experts do it. You know, when you when you get first in with a uh, with a large large alligator, it can be a little intimidating. But you know, after a while, you, you know, you just. Uh, it's actually rather calming, especially for you know people like me. You know, we oh, truly yeah. enjoy it. It's, you know, it's absolute. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be out among large alligators and enjoying their company. Uh, you know, they're, I mean, they're fascinating creatures. Don't get me wrong at all. I mean, they're just gorgeous, fascinating creatures that you know I'll watch from a distance. And uh, you know, <laughs> and and this is how it should typically be. You know, it's not uh, a lot of people. They keep them up until they get around two to three foot. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it's time to get rid of them. They no longer have the space for them. And, and, and what's so sad to me is that when I've had to go through and remove a lot of these alligators, I mean, I've gotten so much as you know, 50 alligators or more a year. And when I go through to remove some of these animals, you know, they're stuck in you know, a 55-gallon aquarium or something where they have, like hardly have any room to even so much as turn around. Uh, they don't have a proper enclosure. They're just stuck in water, and that's it. Therefore, they have no ability to, you know, to remove themselves from the bacterial load or anything like that. Uh, one of the main things with, with wild alligators is that they have the ability to climb out of the water, sit in the sun, allow the sun to help, you know, bake off some of the bacteria, kill off some of the bacterial load, right. and then they can get back in the water. Um, and a, a lot of owners don't seem to comprehend the fact that, you know, in captivity, bacteria is actually rather concentrated. It's not spread out over a, a distance like it is in, in, in the wild. Right. So, you know, a lot of people don't factor this part in when they're keeping their alligator just stuffed in a tank with filthy water, and, and they think that just because they've seen uh, shows where an alligator is just out in just filthy, filthy water, they think, oh, well, this is no big deal for it. You know, who cares? We'll just let the water go. It doesn't matter. We can just change the water once every six months, and it should be good. Um, I've gone in uh, to remove some animals, and these animals were literally in black water. Oh, my God. And to me, there's just no excuse for that. There's no. absolutely no excuse to be that lazy that you're unwilling to change the water of your animals. But most of the time, it's because the person was scared of the animal. They didn't want to handle it. They were afraid to handle it. But they felt the need to just continue keeping it. <laughs> and, that, and that's a major flaw in 
the mental processing there as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, if you're not going to handle, you know, if you're afraid to handle your own animals, then, you know, why did you buy it in the first place? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Precisely. And, and, and of course, you know, when it was a halfling only 10 inches long, then, you know, there's really no threat there at oh, all. Oh, sure, it, it was cute. It, you know, it barely know. breaks the skin. You know, it's not a big deal. It's, it's easy to feel tough when they're only 10 inches long, but then after uh, it gets two and a half, three foot or longer, and it starts getting a little bit more muscle, it starts getting a little bit more wild, and oh. it no longer wants to be handled quite so easily, then it starts to get a little more intimidating for some people. Right. And uh, this is where we start running into the problems. People are tossing them off in lakes. And this oh. is one of my biggest pet peeves when it, when it comes to this is because we don't realize the damages they're doing to the reptile community as a whole. Right. Uh, when alligators are constantly coming up on the news because a neighbor saw one out in their, you know, in their uh, backyard pond or whatever the case might be, they have no idea where it came from. So now they're panicked and they want it removed. Now this is on the news. This is creating panic within the local neighborhood. This you know, brings attention to news media outlets who are then going to investigate, so to speak. Right. And then they're going to start looking for, oh, where can people buy these things and this, that, and the other. And then next thing you know, all hobbyists are, are painted in a very bad light. Yeah, exactly. Um, the reptile community does not understand that when they're trying, they're, they're purposely at, at, uh, selling these animals to people who are not properly set up to handle it. Mm-hmm. They are doing themselves an injustice. They are put, essentially putting themselves out of business eventually. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I'm not sure if you noticed, uh, you know, even on my page, I, I ranted about the, uh, I won't say the name of it on on, the, on air, but uh, there was a, uh, a company that, uh, was selling uh, alligators on the internet, and much like you know, you're just ordering something off of Amazon.com. There's just an, an ad to cart yeah. on it. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> that to me is a very sad, sad thing to see in this community. You would yeah. think that people would start to kind of get it through their brain. And they do have a list of states where that it is not applicable to send them to. But you'd think that that would be a cue to them, but, well, maybe they just should not necessarily be sold like this. Maybe you should make a few people jump through hoops before obtaining, you know, an animal like, you know, an alligator or a crocodile. I mean, it's just, you know, alligators and crocs, those are up with venomous snakes, you know? Yeah, everybody likes them. In many regards, they most certainly are. Everybody likes them, but, you know, not everybody should own one. Exactly, and the big, even when it comes to venomous, you know, I, I, I'm a keeper of venomous as well, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy them greatly. But I, I have more of a heartfelt attachment to the, the condition of the alligators than I do so the venomous reptiles, mainly right. because when it comes to the reptiles, the, the main danger is to the keeper themselves. Yeah. When it comes to alligators and crocodiles, the main danger is to the animal, simply right. because eventually. If it outgrows the owner's ability to care for it, it's got very, very limited options, and most people are not willing to jump through the hoops to find an appropriate facility for the animal that will accept it, uh, get permits or whatever that's going to be necessary to get them into the state and and things of that nature. Uh, I get so many calls in all the time on these animals. You know, people are constantly looking for homes, and they're out of options. They've called the zoo. They've called the local humane society. They've... You know, they've called everywhere, and nobody will take it. And, of course, they, they, they contact me, and the only way that you're going to be able to get it into a proper, uh, an appropriate facility is generally you have to know somebody that is aware of one. Um, right. 
and, and most of the time they're out of state or several states down south or whatever the case might be that would be willing to accept it. Uh-huh. And these people are generally not either willing to drive it, they can't afford to, because most, you know, everybody that keeps an alligator seems to live in a one-bedroom apartment, has two alligators, four dogs, a bunch of goldfish, and God knows what else. So they don't, you know, they don't even have a pot to piss in, so much less enough money to, you know, take them and drive them down south and, and give them to an appropriate facility that would give them a good home. Right. Um, it's a very sad reality, and the animals ultimately pay for it, and then eventually we're going to pay for it if we're not careful. Yeah, exactly. Now, there at your facility, how many uh, uh, crocodilians do you guys maintain right now? Uh, currently, I have 36 um, at, our, at our southern facility, and we, you know, we have a lot more. Uh, but what we try to do, we try not to hold them all, on, hold on to all of them ourselves. We actually try to disperse them to other facilities. Okay. And this is the other sad part is, you know, it's very difficult to find a facility that's just going to allow the animal to be. It's just going to allow it to grow up and just be an alligator, and that's it. So we've we've come to terms with the with the understanding that you know we're going to have to you know work with you know some potential alligator wrestlers and. And things like that. We we don't necessarily condone alligator wrestling. We do not think that that is a valuable uh, tool for the, the reptile community. Um, right. it, it sends a wrong message. Is the way we look at it. You know, it shows it's us versus nature, as opposed to us working with nature. And this is our biggest pet peeve with it. Uh, and obviously, it's creating a lot of undue stress on on specific alligators that are being used in the shows. No, so sure. we're not necessarily overly thrilled with them, but. You know, it's one of the lesser evils. We can either leave alligators up north where they're just going to either be thrown in a, in a pond or something, and if they're not discovered, they're going to freeze to death during the wintertime, um, or they're just going to be living miserable in somebody's tank and probably develop various infections and never be treated and end up dying of those infections uh, or, you know, a myriad of other problems. Right. So, you know, we, we realize that, you know, we're stuck with limited options, but we do the best that we can to get them into other facilities. Some of them are going to be uh, just are going to be educational programs. Some of them are going to be uh, small zoos and exhibits. Some can be larger zoos that have a little extra space and are willing to use some for program gators. You know, some, especially down south where alligators are native, a lot of zookeepers will walk outside with a, an alligator with its mouth taped and secured, uh, allow people to hold them and touch them and, and yeah. get a, a close encounter with them. Um, so there are uh, options out there, but we definitely try not. You know, it's not our goal to hold on to every single one. It's you know, it would be impossible. Oh yeah, the numbers say, that we get in. Yeah, I was going to say that'd just be insane. So now, um, I guess one of the questions is uh, that was put up uh, out there on Facebook. You know, if somebody wanted to get into this, you know, either rescuing or working with uh, crocodilian species, where do you start? Well, uh, the, what I would recommend is start, depending on where you are, um, you could try to look into uh, 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 zoo options as a docent. After you spend some time there and start networking with the reptile keepers, but if, if they happen to have crocodilians, uh, you can start to get special privileges. Um, it depend, and, and again, depending on where you live, it could you know, very well give you different options. If you live in a state where they're not, regulated for possession, kind of like they are in Ohio. In Ohio, you can own a tiger. If you got 200 bucks, just go down, you know, there's a couple local auctions, just go out and buy one. Um, wow. it, you, you, can, um, you can open up your own rescue. Just the 
you have to make sure that you do your research. There, you know, back when I first started, there was very little information out there on their proper care. Right. Now, I, I am just ecstatic to report that there is a lot of information out there. There's a lot of web resources. There's a lot of books. There's mm -hmm. a, a lot of scientific papers that have been put out, uh, especially as uh, the blood is being tested right now where it could possibly be an HIV cure. Um, their, their, their blood is absolutely powerful. It, is, it has a natural antibiotic that has practically killed everything that's touched. Uh, it's kind of like penicillin when it first came out. Now it kills like less than one percent of things, but um, but crocodilian blood is, is very very powerful. And they, you know, and it's, it was first noticed when these animals when they when they get in fights, they rip each other's legs off, they tear each other's you know sides open, and all kinds right. of things. And in the water that they live in, that's just rife with bacteria. You would think that they would get some severe uh, bacterial infections and things, but they magically don't. They heal up pretty quickly. Right. So, um, since that time, when um, when that was noticed, they you know they obviously knew that there was something special about these animals. And uh, after testing their blood, they realized uh, that they actually have a natural antibiotic in their bloodstream. So um, that you know th that ability and that that discovery there alone enabled researchers to start getting more involved. So now you have a lot of options as far as uh, as captive care knowledge. There's a lot of fantastic books that have been written, a lot of fantastic papers. So the very first thing that I would I would recommend is get online, start researching. Crocodilian.com is your, your best resource if you're looking for a free source of, of, of uh, captive care. Uh, Dr. Adam Britton has written a, a fantastic captive care article. Okay. Uh, I would recommend that being the very first stop. Uh, you can look at his Crocodilian Captive Care FAQ. And he gives a great rundown of how to properly care for these animals in captivity. Um, there's also a lot of fantastic books. Um, uh, there's a Crocodile, the Crocodile's Biology, Husbandry, and Diseases. It's an extensive book, but very well worth it. Right. So that, that would be the very first place that I would recommend you start. Okay. And if you're really, truly serious about it, and you really want to get involved with these animals, get into a good college, either... University of Florida is a good option if you're looking in for conservation biology and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, start getting down south. Uh, St. Augustine Alligator Farm has the, uh, the Crocodilian Captive Management course every year around May. Oh, wow. And they actually give you a great rundown of biology and captive care husbandry uh, and uh, generally handling techniques and various other things that were, were going to be very important in your uh, captive uh, Right. So, uh, you know, that would be a great place to start, and obviously, network, network, network. Right. Get involved with as many people as you can, be able to ask questions and hang on to every word. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, uh, one of the other websites, uh, yours, as a matter of fact, it's uh, crocodopolis.net. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we don't really have a whole lot of your information on there right now. Uh, one of the very reasons for that is um, that's... Our objective at this point has not been to try to encourage pet ownership. Yeah, I would say um, conservation would be the best thing right now. Right. So that is our primary focus. At one point, we may do a crocodilian captive care article. Okay. Um, but we're not quite sure at this point. Uh, we just we didn't want to send a mixed message. Our main uh, our main objective is, is education, <coughs> conservation, and rescue work. Right. But at one point, we may decide to do a crocodilian captive care FAQ. As we do realize that the easier it is for people to find proper uh, care information for these animals, then the easier it's going to be for them to, to make good decisions 
when right. either deciding to whether they'd want to buy one or at least knowing how to care for it up until the point that they say, okay, well, I don't, really, I can't really care for this animal anymore. And then they can refer back to us again and say, okay, look, I can care for my pet, and you guys help me find, you know, a home for it or whatever the case might be. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's going to be our main focus for a little while, and who knows what might happen after that. Okay. Well, Chris, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you again sometime here in the near future. Maybe uh, next time we can cover Gary's. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd love it. Okay. And uh, any final closing thoughts you'd like to share with our guests? It honestly, uh, I would say uh, at this point, um, crocodilians are, are absolutely magnificent animals. Um, if you're interested in keeping them, definitely do your research. You know, you'd be doing the animal a lot of favors. You'd be doing a lot of favors. Uh, and you'd be helping your fellow horticulturists that are right now fighting tooth and nail to hold on to our rights <laughs> to be able to continue keeping and working with these animals. Uh, the more you are familiar with how these animals are going to behave and what they're going to require in captivity, the better of a life that you can provide them and the more you're going to enjoy it. Exactly. And so there you have it, folks. That was Chris Law from Crocodopolis.net. Uh, his website will be in the show notes. And once again, we do encourage you to leave some comments on the show, um, either on the blog or uh, shoot us an email. Let us know what you think of the show, what shows you would like to see coming up in the future. And once again... I'm your host, John F. Taylor, and this is the Reptile Living Room, and we look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>